So have you ever said anything that was just really embarrassing? That just, just like, you can't, it came out of your mouth and you went, oh, it's gone? I have. I mean, I make a living with my mouth, right? So, um, yeah, I say embarrassing things from time to time. Um, several years ago when I was at Lufkin, we were having a, a numerically large event for women, and I said, we are going to have a big women's event. Well, my youth director heard a big women's event, and he started laughing. And so everybody's laughing at me because we're having a big women's event, right? And then I, well, it's a large, wi no, that's not going to work either. It's a numerically significant gathering of women. It's kind of where I ended up. Sometimes it's better just to hush, right? We, we all say that, but really for the most part, we do pretty well with words. We, we are pretty well able to articulate things that, that we believe and, and, and things that we think we believe. You know, this preaching thing, it, it's really not quite exactly what I thought I was signing up for. I mean, I was 38 before I heard my call, and um, I'd never been a preacher, never even really thought about preaching. There are, I swear to you, people scratching their heads all over Houston. Mike Tyson did what? It's really a pretty daunting task. I mean, the truth of it is I have to have something to say every Sunday, and I can't just stand up and give you five minutes and say, yay God. It's what you pay me for, right? You pay me to come up and talk. And I have to tell you that there are days, weeks in the life of a preacher that it seems like Sunday is coming every third day. It really can be that compacted sometimes. And, and then there's this whole element of pride, like I like to be able to keep most of you awake. Some of you, you need your nap, and that's okay. I understand. But, but I like to try to keep you awake. This idea of preaching, it's a pretty daunting task. And then, then there's the really scary part of it, that, that I am preaching God's Word. That's terrifying. I mean, I, I hope that, that what I say to you, what I, what I preach, as I sort of help maybe shape your faith a little bit, it is terrifying that, that I have been called, ordained, to stand up and preach God's Word. Our faith is full of words. Words, words, words. Lots of words that describe what we believe. Like, like the affirmation of faith that most Sundays we stand up and say, we believe these things, right? We go to Bible studies where we talk, talk, talk about our faith. We go to Sunday school classes where we read and talk, talk, talk about our faith. And it's good. It is good that we do those things. It is good that we are able to articulate what it is that we believe. 
that we are able to say, this is where I hang my hat. But our faith, it's not really a faith of words. It's good that we have them. It's good that we can say them. It's good that we know them. It's good that we have prayers that we pray together, to have creeds that we say together, creeds that state what we believe, that we sing hymns that are full of theology about what we believe. But our faith, it's something more than what we say. It's about what we do. And so our text today comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. It's late in the Gospel. It's, it's the 23rd chapter. And Jesus is talking to a group of scribes and Pharisees. This group of people that help mold the faith of the Jewish people. And this is what Jesus has to say to these scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside also may become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of the bones of the dead and all kinds of filth. So you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have to tell you, that text haunts me. The last thing I want to be is a guy who stands up here and tries to help shape your faith and be an empty shell, to be a hypocrite. I mean, I hear this text in my nightmares, Jesus telling me I'm a hypocrite. I don't think it's true. I try hard to not make it so. But this is my nightmare verse. I mean, he starts with woe. Woe, let me help you. This is your Bible study for the week. Woe is never a good thing. Not ever, ever, ever does it say woe in the Bible and something really awesome comes after it. Seventy-three times it's used as woe. It's never good. And so these learned men, these people who are helping to shape the faith 
of the Jews are called out as hypocrites by Jesus. And so we read in the text that that they tithe mint and dill and cumin. And we think, oh, that sounds good. That sounds proper. But, But no, Jesus is making a point with this. He's telling the, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, you're missing the point. You see, the tithe was 10%. 10% of the crop is what you were to bring. And so everybody brought 10% of their wheat or 10% of potatoes or whatever it is they grew. Everybody did that. It was really the righteous that tithe their spices, that tithe things like dill and cumin. So so we read that and we're going like, oh, that's good. No, it's not good. Jesus is making the point. Gentlemen, you're missing the point. The point is justice, mercy, faith, not the details of the words. He goes on to talk about you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. Again, he's saying you're worried so much about the minutiae that that you're missing the point. The gnat and the camel are equally unclean. And yet, they're focusing on the tiny thing. And then there's this one that that I added to the end of it that really wasn't a part of the study, but it just so spoke to me. You are a beautiful, whitewashed tomb that inside is filled with death and filth. I don't know about you, but I read that and I go, ouch. Ouch. Because sometimes that's me. I look all good from the outside, maybe a little round, but I look all good from the outside. I mean, I remember as a layperson, I'm, I'm dragging my beautiful wife and my beautiful children to church. I got them up. They're all brushed, got their hair brushed, all looking good, and we're looking so clean and righteous. And I think about what's inside here. But the truth of it is our faith not about just words. It's not enough just to be able to say what it is we believe. Don't hear me. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But, but if that's where you stop with your faith, it is this understanding of what it is I believe, you, my friend, are missing the point. It is only when our actions are the same as what we say we believe that our faith really becomes real, that it really becomes effective. If all we do is talk, talk, talk about our faith and not ever put it to work, we are missing the point. Because what you believe, what you say you believe is not relevant if you don't live it out. 
We're about ready to celebrate the birth of Jesus and what the arrival of the Christ child did was change the way that we as followers are supposed to live our lives. We're not supposed to live our lives for ourselves, but for others as Jesus lived his life. It's when our faith, what we believe, and our actions are the same that we can really make a difference in the kingdom of God. You've seen those people, those people who you look at, and they're faithful. They're practicing what they preach. They're not just talking the talk. They're walking the walk. And, and you look at them, and you find that their faith is compelling. It's something that you, that you want a piece of, that you, that you sort of want to be like that. For me, that person was the man who wrote this study, Jim Moore. Uh, Jim Moore is well, probably one of the finest human beings I've ever known. He, he was my pastor for 22 years. And he preached great sermons, but he lived a better one. He lived everything that he preached. And I, as a layperson sitting in his pews, found it compelling. So compelling, I wanted to be like that. It's not how I ended up being a preacher, by the way. The way he lived his life, it matched with what he said he believed, and it was compelling. I'll tell you a little story, not quite 100% related, but so I was 38, I experienced my call, and I was a banker. I was like, oh, go run the nonprofit, go run work at the Red Cross or something. That, that makes sense. And so after months of prayer and fasting and talking with my pastors, I came to understand that God was calling me to the professional ministry. And I've shared with you before, I laughed really hard at God. The things had to be so bad that he had to call me to the ministry. And then I went and I told my wife, I said, sweetheart, uh, I think God is calling me to the professional ministry. And this is a quote. She looked at me and said, buh, uh, buh. but you're nothing like Jim Moore. <laughs> and I said, sweetheart, if that's the bar, I'll just tell God no and we'll move on. <laughs> His faith was compelling. It still inspires me to this day. And you have those people in your life whose faith you find compelling. It is when our faith is at work in our lives when what we say, what it matches, what we do, that our faith can be contagious in a good way, not like a whole virus wear a mask kind of way, but, but a contagious way, a way that people look at and go, oh, I want some of that. I want to understand how you can face death and do it with such grace. 
I want to understand how you can face illness and do it with such love. When we do things like that, when we act on our faith, it becomes contagious. And people want to experience that. I'll give you an example. So I was at Lover's Lane, United Methodist Church, while I was in seminary, and I was leading a mission trip of about 20 people to Honduras. Our plan was uh, to go and build a house and do a little bit of medical work. We had a, a guy who was a cardiologist, was bringing a portable EKG. And so uh, we were going to do that, and as so often happens, uh, we were delayed in the Miami airport for six hours. It was fun. Um, we all had on matching shirts. And somehow in that time frame, I was sitting down talking to somebody at the Miami airport. And he was like, <clears throat> who, who are all these people? Because I was wearing a shirt too. And I said, these are all people that are going on a mission trip to Honduras. He goes, well, what is that? And I said, well, let me be clear. I get paid to do this. But all the rest of these people that you see here, they've all taken vacation from their jobs. They actually have paid money to go to this place in Honduras where we're going to go and, and build a home for somebody and do some medical work. <clears throat> this guy looked at me like I had spoken Greek to him or something. He was like, wait, wait. You mean to tell me that these people are taking their vacation and they've even paid money to go there to go work for other people? I said, yes, sir. That's exactly what's happening here. That's pretty much all he talked about. We were done. And I would love to tell you that the heavens opened up and the light shone on this guy and he got down on his knees and confessed Jesus, but none of that happened. This guy was amazed that these people were putting their faith in action. By the gift of their time and their treasure, by paying money to go. Th those people, their faith in action was contagious. Now, I honestly don't know what happened to this person, but I hope they caught the virus Christianity that they became a follower of Jesus because of the actions of these other people. When what we say, we believe, and how we live our life match, it is compelling, it is contagious, and it is convincing. When we live our faith and our life, when it, they are together, it's convincing. I mean, I am convinced because of watching other people live their faith that Jesus died for me. And let me be clear, me. We can wrap our brains around, okay, Jesus came and he died for the world. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, but to get to this understanding that, that Jesus died for me, sinful Mike Tyson, that takes some convincing. 
And when our, our faith, what we say and what we do, when they match, it is convincing. I am convinced that because of Jesus' existence, my faith in him makes a difference in the world. It makes a difference in this world today, and it makes a difference, especially for me, in the eternal world. Brothers and sisters, when what we say and what we do, when they're the same, our faith can move mountains. We can convince the unconvincible. We can share the love of God in ways that it begins to spread. Don't be a hypocrite. We have enough of those in our faith already. Don't be someone who talks one game and does another. Don't be one who is all about the show and has no go. If you truly understand the gift that you have been given through the birth of Christ, the birth of Emmanuel, God with us, you've got to walk the walk. You've got to let what you say and what you do be the same. If you are a follower of Jesus and you do nothing, you're keeping it to yourself. It's one of the more selfish acts that I can imagine. When you go out into the world and you do as you believe, it's an unselfish gift. It's a gift of faith at work. Don't be the other guy. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so grateful for the gift of Emmanuel, God with us. Father, help write on our hearts the immenseness of this grace that has been given to us. Help us, Father, to not be a hypocrite. Help us to be one who, who knows what they believe and then is willing to put it to work. Father, help us to change this world and this community by our faith in action. God, we so look forward to celebrating the arrival of the Christ child. Forgiveness as the face of an infant. We are so grateful for that gift. Help us to slow down this coming week. We might stop and realize all that has been done for us. We pray this in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.